All right, good morning. Yeah, thanks for coming after watching the World Cup. Um, I didn't get to watch it because I was here, but uh, I won't spoil it. Some of you are right now just going, oh, town, do not do that. I have it recorded. I'm going to watch it when I get home. Um, anyway, great game. I can't believe, no. Uh, a couple things before we jump into the message today. Um, one is probably about three, four months ago, um, one time I announced that, hey, we're going to um, lead a trip this spring, a learning trip to Turkey and Greece. Kathy and I, uh, Pastor Bill, Colton, and Pam are uh, going to lead it. Um, it is looking at New Testament churches. It's going to be amazing. We're hitting Turkey and Greece and uh, cities like Ephesus, Philippi. Um, Athens, Corinth, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We still have a few spots open. So if you're interested, I will be in the, uh, in the atrium right after this, and I'll have brochures for you. And so uh, come to see me, and I'll get you a brochure and get you the information. All right, second thing is invite your friends to Christmas Eve. Um, remember, this is one of the two times a year that people who don't go to church are most willing to go to church. And so, you know, it'd just be wrong of us not to take advantage of that and invite uh, friends, neighbors, coworkers, and uh, we'll have a great time together um, on Friday and Saturday. They're all the same gathering, and uh, except for Sun or Saturday, if you have kids birth through kindy, we have them taking care of you um, of for for you. So. Um, invite people, 6.30 Friday, 1.30, 4 o'clock on Saturday. And then remember, next Sunday is Christmas, and uh, we will not be having in-person gatherings, nor will we have in-person gatherings on January 1st. But we will have uh, a link online to um, the Chosen Nativity uh, for on Sunday, Christmas morning, um, which is a great thing. If you've never seen it, that'd be, you'll really enjoy it. And then we'll be online at 9 and 11 um, January 1st. Um, if you're curious, why aren't we meeting January 1st? Uh, it's not because uh, we'll have a really small crowd and uh, nobody will be awake. And, you know, um, no, it's actually, even though the crowd is smaller always the Sunday after Christmas, um, finding it, it takes a lot of volunteers to pull off a Sunday morning. And it's pretty much impossible to uh, on January 1st to pull our volunteers together. And so uh, we're doing online on the 1st, and then on the 8th, we'll be kicking off our series in Genesis, all right? And so that is what's coming up. All right, um, this is a time where you're, you, typically people are seeing more people. Like you're going to Christmas parties. You're having events at your work. Um, you're getting family and friends together. Um, tonight, my family um, and close friends, every year we gather and go to see Santa. And, uh, and the great thing is we have decided to go to Cabela's to see Santa. And so it's like, okay, I'll go. Um, so, uh, I mean, you see lots of people. But here's... The crazy maker with that is uh, people are lonely. You know, even though we're seeing lots of people, people are lonely. And in, in, in 2019, 
over half the population of America said their biggest concern was loneliness. That, that, you know, that was 2019. Before a couple things happened that made loneliness a lot bigger issue. Um, never before have we been so connected to so many people, but it's connected like this. You know, not person to person. You're connected to more. You have friends, you know, on a device, and yet people are feeling more and more lonely. And it's not just the United States. Do you know, I, I just read this this week, a couple of years ago, England created a new cabinet officer called the Minister of Loneliness. I know, wouldn't that be a bummer to be that's your job? You know, what are you? I'm the Minister of Loneliness. It's like, wow, you make people lonely? What's the deal? Um, but it is, it's an issue. Um, it's the first thing that God says is not good. You should not be alone. You should not be alone. Throughout the Bible, you know the Bible is written when, it's, when uh, most of the times where it says you, you should do this, you should do that, you've heard it said. You know, we, we've talked about uh, last couple of weeks, we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and there's a lot of you've heard it said, but I say. You know what those yous, those, those are all plural. You know, he, he's saying, um, you are meant to live in community. You are meant to be known and to, um, and to know others and to live life together. Proverbs 12. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs today. We're going to um, focus on, okay, what's the antidote to loneliness? And the antidote to loneliness is um, deep friendships. God says, you are meant, I created you to be in relationships, which flies in the face of our radical independence. Um, we love independence. We, we say, I can do anything. I'm on my own. I can get this done. Um, I, you know, just let me be me. You know, we're just independent driven people. And yet God says, you know, you, you are actually, um, not living out your best life, who I made you to be when you're fighting for independence like that, because you are, I'm going to work in your life through relationship to do things in you through relationship that would not be done in isolation. Proverbs 12 Verse 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And so that's saying that there's a word that a friend is speaking into your life outside of you, okay, outside of your own self-talk. Because if you're just left with your self-talk, it says, man, your heart's weighed down. There's anxiousness in you. Um, and yet peace and joy and health can come when actually allow others to speak into you. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor. So that's saying something positive about, okay, what kind of people should we have in our life? Somebody who in your spiritual journey can speak into it, encourage you in it, all right? But the way of the wicked leads them astray. So that's saying something about, okay, who should be in your inner circle? Well, if you have wicked people in your inner circle, whatever that means, uh, that's going to influence you, all right? And so guard yourself from that. Now, we need to have all kinds of friends. And 
many of you have lots and lots of friends. And, and um, I'm kind of envisioning in my mind kind of groupings of friends. And if you just imagine like concentric circles, there's like a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people I know. I, I just don't know well, and they don't know me well. Okay, and so there's, there's that group of friends. And then there's a group of friends that I, you know, I, I see more often, I know better, they know me better. Um, and it's, they're legitimate friends, and I love them, and, and they love me. Um, but in that group are probably a lot of people that I know, I love, and it's, it's out of a minister's heart. Um, we have friends that we know and we love, but are energy takers. You know, you... you um, you spend time with them, you, uh, it doesn't, I mean, it's just, but there's sack, there's energy taken. They're not filling your tank, but you know in your life, you have a role to help fill theirs, okay? And then there's that inner circle, your closest friends, the one who know you best and the ones that you know them best and those are the ones that have the biggest influence on you and you have the biggest influence on them. They're your core. And that's who we're gonna speak into today, all right? We're not talking about every one of your friends. We have lots of different friends. But we're talking about that core. That core um, who you, you can just hang out with and um, you're not worried about putting on a facade, a face, trying to impress anybody. You're, you're just at home with, with these friends. You know, you can rest. Um, if you're tired, you can hang out with these people knowing that they're not going to take more energy from you. Okay, but they actually energize you. They're good for your heart and your soul. And so that's who we're going we're gonna to focus on uh, today. Those who have the biggest influence on you and those who have the biggest influence on others. Now here is a simple saying. My dad used to tell my kids this all the time and they remember it and, and are thankful for it. But um, ultimately, if you want to have good friends, then you need to be a good friend. I mean, if you're a good friend, uh, you will find that good friends want to be your friend. Um, because you'll draw people who are like-minded. And so as we look at these things today, we're going to say, what, you know, who needs to be in that core? What does God say about our closest friends? And in so doing, we're also saying, what is God saying about who I need to be as a friend? Okay, because those qualities are the same. Now, one of the things God also does is he gives us a lot of information about, okay, um, it's not wise for you to have these kind of people as your closest friends. All right? And so I say this at risk of losing some friends today. No, um, so here are some... Uh, we're gonna jump around to a lot of different verses. I'm just gonna tell you these verses. I'm not gonna look them up. I'm gonna tell you what they say. Proverbs 20, verse three. Say, hey, when, when it comes to your inner circle, beware of argumentative people. Proverbs 23. People who just love to argue. Doesn't matter what your position is, they're taking the opposite. They, they just, that's, they're argumentative people. Those people are going to be life suckers. All right, you will have those people in your life. They can be friends, um, but God's saying those people as your core closest friends are not good for your soul. 
You say, well, Jesus argued with people. Have you not seen you know, Jesus arguing and just giving it to the Pharisees? In the New Testament, Jesus argued with a group of people. I mean, all their people, he was questioning, having conversations with, loving, reaching out to, but it was with religious leaders who were leading people into a graceless religion. And he was saying, you say you're representing God and leading people to God, and you are actually leading people to a God that is not real. Because God is a good and loving, gracious, merciful God. And um, you're misrepresenting him, and you're putting a load of burden on people's back that God never intended him to have. And so he took issue with them. And, and so, um, but people in general, he was not argumentative. Okay, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 19. If you're taking notes, write these things down. You can look them up later just to make sure that I wasn't lying to you. Um, but 20, Proverbs 20, 19 says, um, in your inner circle, beware of gossipers. And it actually says, uh, no, that's the next one. What does this one say? Well, it, it says it's destructive. Um, gossipers, you know, I was thinking about this week, they're kind of like relational terrorists. You know, they, they, they sneak in and then they, they drop a bomb and they blow up relationships and make people mistrust each other and judge people and, and cast judgment on one another harshly. And um, they're just not healthy. Relational illness, cancer. Uh, so do not, in your inner circle, beware of gossipers. And then the last one, Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, it says, beware of hotheads, of angry people. Uh, the, the verse says that they're contagious. If you in your inner circle are hanging out with somebody who just has a temper, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna all of a sudden start becoming more angry yourself. In case in point, the United States, the last five years. I mean, people have gotten angrier and angrier. And um, just think of angry people that you listen to who talk politics. And before you know it, you're angry. You're angry too. I didn't even know I needed to be angry, but now I'm ticked off. You know, I mean, it's contagious. In sports, when... Um, I wouldn't lose my, my temper until somebody else I was playing lost their temper and started acting like a jerk. And then I felt the freedom to act like a jerk. You know, it was just anger bred anger. And that's what Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. And so beware of, in your inner circle, being with mad people, angry people, people who just have this bent to be angry all the time. It's, it's destructive. It eats away at our soul. We want people to our help that are going to help build us up, help us to thrive, help us to be our best, which leads us right into what are the qualities of, what are the good qualities of core friends? First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore one, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now this is talking deeper. It's saying um, encourage people basically to think, love, live like Jesus. All right, this encouragement is deeper than compliments. All right, compliments can be surface. Compliments can be, oh my gosh, you have the best hair day. Okay, that's, 
That's a compliment. It's not super deep. It's nice. Okay, but it's pretty shallow. Encouragement is, you know, I, I, I saw you this afternoon dealing with your kids when they were very upset. And, uh, you know, they weren't being super rational. They were obviously reacting wrong. And you listened to them. You, you took time just not to react and get angry, but you listened to them. Um, and I got to think, your kids felt valued. And then you corrected them. But it's like they were being corrected, but at the same time loved. And they knew it. And I just want to compliment you on that. That is, that is awesome. So now, that's a compliment that goes deeper to where I was just encouraged in my character. And uh, maybe I didn't even pay attention or didn't even know it. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, God, thank you um, for allowing me to respond that way. And so we want to have people that in our spiritual journey um, will encourage us, all right, and, uh, and go deeper to help, to help us think, love, and live like Jesus. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, if, uh, if things are going great, and uh, you see me as a, a winner, and somebody who uh, you like, and other people like, then it's okay, you know, it's, it's easy to be with me. But if I'm struggling, and I'm not doing well, and I'm losing in whatever I'm doing, and I'm not well, just emotionally, mentally not well. Uh, this is Proverbs 17, 17 says, in my inner circle, I want friends who walk towards me when everybody else is walking away from me. And I wanna be a friend that walks towards you when you're struggling and everybody else is walking away. In my life, there are people in my life who have stepped in alongside me when um, I was under attack and felt like I was a loser and, and, uh, and felt alone. And there are people that walked with me shoulder to shoulder in those times. And I consider those, you know, those guys my band of brothers. I mean, that... that they were with me at a time where others were straight on me. And that, that's what we want to be each other. You know, it's, it's a popular saying is, hey, I'm there for you. What that says is, I'm not with you now, but if you ever come to a difficult time and you reach out to me, um, you know, the, the onus is on you to reach out to me, but then maybe I will be there for you. And um, this person is not saying, hey, I'm there for you. He's saying, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and that just means what it says. It doesn't mean I need to fix things for you. In the middle of grief, I need to make you happy. No, it's just, you know, in your grief, I will be with you. I'm with you. You're there. Your presence. And presence means um, you care. Jesus, in, in the sermon, well, after the Sermon on the Mount, said, love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10, 27. Um, so think about this. I mean, that's just, we know that. We know that's true. We know that Jesus said, he, sum, he summarized 
the law and the prophets with love God, love others, love your neighbor as yourself. So that means this. Um, the needs of other people. I'm gonna go after those with the same passion, the same joy, the same energy, the same resources, the same intention, the same speed that I would go after meeting my own needs. I mean, I don't question about, do I go after my needs with a passion? Yeah. Um, a good friend says, I'm, I'm aware of your needs and I'm as concerned about yours as mine. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So in your inner circle, be and have friends who challenge you to think. You challenge each other to think. You, um, you just don't think about everything the same. You know, in, in our closest circle, the, the fact that it says, hey, we need to be able to encourage each other and uh, build each other up, you know, that's talking about our whole person and it's talking about our spiritual life as well. And so um, I think God's saying there is, is if my relationship with God is the most important of any relationship that I will ever have, then it makes sense in my inner circle, I need to have people who understand and are going after that too. Because they don't understand the most important relationship that I'll ever have and don't know how to encourage me in it or even expose things in my life that are hindering that relationship, then um, how can they be my closest friends? And so we need to have the essentials down, okay? We're, we're going after this together. And we could be at different places in our journey, but we're going after that. We're going after our relationship with God. And I want to think, love, and live like Jesus. And so I want my closest friends to not have a question with that, they, to get that, and who are on the same journey. Now, there's a million other things I can think about in life that people have different opinions on. And I think it's good for us to have close friends who have differing opinions in ourselves. Um, I was reading the last couple months and it said, it was thinking, okay, how, you know, it was looking at Democrats and Republicans and saying, you know, why do Democrats land where they do and, and Republicans land where they do? And it said the primary influence on that was your, was, um, your life experience and how you grew up and the circumstances in when you, with the, that you grew up and the people around you. And they help mold you to where you were drawn to one of those camps. Now, I think with, with good friends, if we're going after God together, it's great to have people with different life experiences than ourselves who can speak into issues in, in society and in life um, with a different voice that isn't the natural voice I'm gonna be hearing in my own head. And that I think it's one of the reasons that in the Bible and the Proverbs it says, when you live in isolation, you become a fool is because we're just listening to ourselves and that's foolish. And so we need to be able to challenge each other and grow and, uh, and get each other to think. Um, now, you know, one of the greatest movies of all time is Dumb and Dumber. Just, just telling you right now, okay? Um, that's not what we wanna be when selecting friends. 
that is not a good route. It's like, I wanna have somebody as foolish and as blind as I am, okay? We all have these things in our life called blind spots. And they're called blind spots because we're unaware of them. I have them, you have them. That can be threatening, that can make us insecure. Man, my best friends need to help me see my blind spots. And it need to help me be exposed to those things and make me better um, because of it. Proverbs 20, verse five. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. It's saying, you know, th there's thoughts that we have in our soul that we're thinking deeper thoughts. And sometimes it's easy for you to express those things. Typically with men, it's not. I mean, t this is a stereotypical thing. But in general, and it's, it's you know, how our brains function and stuff, but we like to do things together that we're doing something. You know, and, and we're, so we're shoulder to shoulder as we sit in the golf cart together or as we fish together, or as we work as a project together, or as we are gaming together. I mean, we're shoulder to shoulder. That's the typical guy relationship. And um, this is saying, you know, there's times where you need to actually face each other and ask questions and go deeper and go under the surface because there's things going on under there and as friends, um, we should draw that out of each other. And so we need to ask questions. In your inner circle, be and have friends who ask questions. And do you help draw people out? How do, you, how do you help draw people out? You ask questions and then you listen. Okay, um, anybody else have this problem that you know, I'll ask a question and they'll start talking and it'll remind me of something that I wanna share? And so I'm just, I just kind of stop listening and I just wait for them to take a breath so I can jump in and share my story. And uh, that, that is not a good friend. Um, we need to ask questions and we need to listen. And, uh, and we'll draw each other out. Listen to this, James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, um, as we're building friendships with people, we have a thought that undermines our friendship. And that is, I really want you to like me, I really want you to think I'm interesting. And, uh, and so we may say, this is the person I want you to think that I am. And we put on masks, and we're being phony, and we're saying we're interested in things we're not interested in, and we're saying, you know, and we're exaggerating, and, and we're being phony, because I wanna be interesting. Um, Here's something that's much more important than being interesting in a friendship, is being interested. Being interested is a way to love somebody. Being interested is way more important in friendship than being interesting. And we mess it up, image is everything. Now, not in friendship, man. You need to be real and you need to be interested in knowing the per your, your friends. And they should be the same way um, with you. Uh, I read this this week and it, was, um, it bothered me because I, I don't want to believe it, but it was a study that said in America the average dad spends seven seconds a day with their kids. I, I really don't like that. Seven seconds a day. 
then I think, man, no wonder our kids are so messed up. You know, no wonder they're, they're so confused about who they are and, um, and stuck to their device and not, not even knowing how to have a face-to-face relationship. I mean, the art of listening, that, that's a lost art. We need that art. We, we need to develop those skills. So here's a challenge to you. Um, if, if you have kids in your house, um, bring back family dinner. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, well, that was, didn't that, didn't that happen in the 60s? Um, you know, when did that happen? I think I've heard about it in some history books. Um, fight for it. Bring it back. Uh, and let me warn you, that is, if you do, and you bring it back once, um, I'm telling you, the kids are going to be fighting, and you're going, what, what kind of a, a good idea was this? You know, our dinner now, it was, it was a disaster. I want you to know that's going to happen, okay? Don't be surprised, but it's going to happen. But here's what you're fighting for. You're, you're fighting to teach your kids how to listen to each other. You're fighting for them to, to be able to take an interest and listen to each other and take turns sharing their heart and listening to each other's heart. Ask them questions when you're at the table. You know, think, put some time into thinking, uh, you know, what can I ask tonight? And, uh, you know, and have them be light and fun and have, sometimes go deeper. I would, sometimes I would take an issue I'm dealing with in my life and when I had elementary school kids I would change the names to protect the innocent but I'd say how would you guys handle this and then have them listen to each other and then if I thought that's the stupidest thing I ever heard I I would think of a question that would get them thinking about what they said and they might figure it out but we're practicing listening Um, invite your kids friends to dinner and have them sit at the table and participate in this. And we need our kids to know how to have a face-to-face conversation with a real person where they're asking questions and they are listening to each other. And we need to help our kids develop that and we need to model it. Um, This takes sacrifice, okay? Maybe you want a quick dinner because there's things you want to get to and sitting down as a family, it takes work and energy because you're having to wrangle people and convince them to sit in, in together and talk. And if you invite a friend, it means you gotta go over and pick them up and bring them back and then afterwards go take them home. I mean, it's a sacrifice. But man, as a parent, your investment in your kids is huge. And this is one thing that they're not gonna get just on their own, drifting through life. And uh, we need to help them with that. Proverbs 27, five to six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In the inner circle, we need to be and have friends who are truth tellers. Who are truth tellers. We talked about this a little bit already. You know, I got blind spots. I need people who love me to help me see my blind spots. Um, it's not loving to help me uh, just march through life with something that's obvious to everybody else but me. And so we need to help each other. 
If we love each other and we're close friends, we can do it. And if we're close friends, we're thinking, well, some of you hear this and go, oh, sweet, I, I got this nailed. I'm a truth teller. And if you ever hear yourself saying, hey, well, I just told him the truth. Um, I want you to know you're probably doing it wrong. All right? Um, friends are thinking this. They're anticipating the response to what you're telling your friend. And see, the goal is for your friend to be able to understand what you're saying and receive it. And so I'm going to be thinking when I need to speak truth into a friend is what's the best way that I can say this that they have the greatest opportunity to actually hear it. And so I'm just not going to throw up on them and say, now deal with it. You know, told the truth, did my job. No, I, 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 I mean, I want them to treat me that way when they're exposing me to something that I don't know that I'm doing and it's not good. Then um, my first response is to be defensive is to think, are you saying you don't like me? Are you saying I'm a bad person? I mean, all those defenses come up. And, um, and so we anticipate that. So when we speak into somebody's life, we think, okay, um, how can I get this truth into them in a way that they'll receive it? Where the dust settles, we're, we're still gonna be friends. And there's a good chance, there's a good chance that they will have heard and understand, understood the truth. And I'm not gonna soft pedal it. I'm not going to you know, uh, flower it up so much where they take a hard truth as a compliment. You know, I'm gonna speak the truth, but I'm gonna anticipate what they're thinking. Okay, a couple last verses for us. Um, Proverbs 18:25. a man of, you know, man's general, a person of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so he's saying, um, if you have a bunch of friends, great. But do you have that inner circle that's going to be with you and is going to encourage you and is a life giver to you and, and helps God uses to make you the person that he meant for you to be? Okay, so I think about this, and, I'm, and, we, and we're just doing this flyover of some of the thoughts that God has about friendship. And then I look at what Jesus said to people who were his followers in John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants like a rabbi or a king would, would call their pupils or their, um, their people. But he says, a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So God is the God of the universe, almighty, omnipotent, sovereign. He, he has set up his kingdom on earth and he's restoring it. And he says he loves each one of us so much that not only is he eminent, but he is personal. And he says, ultimately, um, I'm your best friend. Do you know that of me? And do you know that God is okay with saying that? That 
He's our friend. He's, he's our ultimate model. Now, um, one of the things I think about in that is, uh, man, he held nothing back in his relationship and his love for us. Uh, he sacrificed for us. He, um, he was pursuing us when we were at our worst. He didn't leave us. He didn't throw up his hands and said, oh, I've tried, forget it. He corrects the lies that we have, that we tell ourselves. You know, he gives us truth to not just point out that we're believing a lie, but he tells us what is true. He, he gives us insight into who we are and what our best self looks like. You know, he loves us with, a, with an everlasting, unshakable, tenacious, um, unwavering love that ultimately took him to a cross, that ultimately said, as the God of heaven, um, these people that I love and created are walking blind and they're walking away from me. And I'm going to go to them and leave the riches of heaven to be put on flesh, become God wrapped in flesh so that when people saw him, they saw a man, they saw not a rich man, a man ultimately without a home and who eventually was rejected so that God in the flesh could die as a perfect sacrifice so that we can be forgiven and know him and not only know our God and our King and our Savior, but our friend. And maybe in your spiritual journey, um, God still has been distant from you but this has been making more and more sense. And you're at a place in your journey where it's like, I, I want to declare that I want to follow God. I want to follow Jesus. And I want to, I want to grasp onto as my hope, my only hope, is what he's done for me. And if that's where you're at in your journey, then we're in a second here, we're going to pray. For others who, who've done that, um, and we're thinking about our friendships. I just want you to think about those circles. You know, acquaintances, friends, inner circle. And who's in your inner circle? And are, are you the friend that God wants you to be? And where, where, where are you weak? And where do you need to grow? And uh, step into that. And is there people in your inner circle that shouldn't be? Or is there people you need in your inner circle that you need to develop? Friendship takes time. It's one of the most difficult things. People um, who are here and plugged in and they have relationships with followers of Jesus and they're just precious and job moves them away and, uh, and then they come back and visit in the summer and the thing I hear over and over again it is so hard to make close friends. And it just takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. And so be a friend. Be a friend to others. And you'll find out all of a sudden um, you're getting to choose, okay, who do you want to in your inner circle? Um, let's bow and pray. And uh, if those of you who are here or online watching who are thinking, I need to surrender myself to God. Um, God's always been big and scary to me, but I realize uh, he knows me and he loves me and he's called me to be his friend. 
So just talk to God. Maybe you pray something um, like this. God, I know that you love me and you've had me on a journey where I feel like my eyes are opening to you. And today I want to submit to you. I want to declare that my hope is in you and I ask you to forgive me. And then I ask you to not only um, begin growing me up into the person that you want me to be, but would you open my eyes to people around me who might be on this same spiritual journey who, uh, who I need to grow closer to that you want to use in my life. So thank you for that, Father. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, if you're here with us today in this room and you just prayed that prayer, uh, you can go out those doors and go to either desk just to the right or to the left and let them know that you made that decision. We have some information just to reinforce the decision, some verses that just back up the decision you just made, as well as some ideas about, you know, what are some ways that you can begin growing that friendship with God? And they're just very simple, practical ideas that we think are helpful for you. And if you're online watching us and you just made that decision as well, you can go to rollinghills.org slash next steps and fill out the information there. And we will get that, um, we will get that emailed or, or, or mailed to you. And uh, that will be helpful to you as well. What we're going to do right now is we're going to have communion. And uh, it was fun with our high schoolers here earlier. I, I had to... Uh, I had a chance two weeks ago to speak to the high school group and uh, had a great time with them. I, um, but we, we took communion together. And one of the things I told them is, hey, you go to the Moda Center and you watch a Blazer game, you look up in the rafters and uh, you're gonna see this banner up there that says 1977 Portland Trailblazers World Champions. Did you guys even know that Portland was world champions at one time? And, and that banner is just, is just to take us back to a day where, wow, we were the best team in the world in 1977. It's a reminder. And so before we took communion, I said, you know, this, that's what communion is. Jesus said, um, I want you to do something on a regular basis that it's going to connect you to the significance of what's happened in the past that I've done for you. And that is, I love you so much that I came on that first Christmas in the form of a little baby and I grew up and lived a perfect life for you and died and was rejected as a perfect sacrifice for you. So that um, the things we deserve, not because we're evil people, but be because we just have a tendency to follow ourselves and ignore God. And ultimately to the God who's made us, who is in control, who has built us for a relationship with him, um, that continues to separate us from him. And he's a just God. He says, by no means can I let the guilty go unpunished. And so for a loving but just God, that's a problem. So how am I gonna deal with that? Well, I'm gonna deal with it by taking on the punishment myself. And that's, what he did on the cross. And then he rose from the dead to say ultimately he has victory over death and sin and he offers forgiveness. And, uh, and he said, every once in a while I want you to do this thing called communion where you take the bread and that's my body 
represents my body that was broken for you on the cross and the juice and that's my blood that was spilled for you on the cross so that you could have forgiveness and a relationship with me. And so as we continue to worship, um, up here on both sides, in the back as well, so if you're in the second half of the room, you can go to the back, first half, come up here, and there's um, two, two cups stacked. The bottom cup has a, a cracker in it, top cup has some juice in it. You just pick that up, go back to your seat, and when you're ready, um, you know, just with God, you know, take that cracker and remember this is God's, represents God's body that was broken for you. And then the juice, his blood that was shed for you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we'll do that here as soon as you're ready and we'll continue to worship. 